Good morning, everybody. Just want to do a sound check. How's the sound? <coughs> Doesn't sound like it's on. Is it on? It's on? It's okay, loud enough? Yeah? A little bit more? A bit more? Sure. How's that? How's that? Any better? Hello? Yeah? Better? Yeah. Louder? Yeah. Could do a little less bass. A little less bass. <laughs> 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 do we have a sound engineer in the room? <laughs> I'll try to talk very high today. Um, so before I start, I just um, um, an announcement about anybody doing continuing ed CE units. Um, you have to sign in. So if you haven't signed in, please do that. Otherwise, we can't give you them. So remember to do that at the end of the day too. Um, okay, are we are we recording? So, nice to see you all on this lovely summer's day <laughs> in winter. <laughs> I just came from England uh, yesterday and um, also having very bizarre, warm winter, um, which is very unusual for England. It was warmer than the summer, which I guess it's sort of like warmer than summer here too. So. Anyhow, I'm happy to be here and happy to be uh, sharing this day with you on mindfulness. So I'm curious, how many of you are new to Spirit Rock? Put your hands up. Yeah, great. And how many are are you relatively new to mindfulness meditation practice? Okay, great. Um, So I'm one of the Spirit Rock teachers here. And um, uh, what to say about the day? Well, the day will be um, uh, practical, it'll be experiential. I'll be sharing various teachings from the Buddhist tradition about mindfulness and perspectives on mindfulness. And uh, we'll do various mindfulness meditation practices, various sitting meditations, some walking meditation, and We'll see what else happens. Um, and want to um, make this day as practical and as relevant to you as possible. So if at any time it doesn't make sense what I'm saying, or you have questions, um, uh, particularly relating to your own experience, um, please don't hesitate to ask, especially if something's not clear. Uh, if you have questions about your meditation, which I'll be asking you about, um, know that you know many other people will have the same questions, so please don't feel shy. And the, the day is much more uh, useful if, if I know exactly what, what's, you know, where you are and, and what's happening in your meditation and challenges and stuff like that. So... Um, one other thing about that. Well, we'll, we'll just we'll, we'll, it'll unfold as we go along. Um, but I am curious, as part of that, knowing who you are and why you came. Um, <coughs> there are, of course, always many reasons for coming on a day. Sometimes it's we just want to be quiet. Sometimes it's a refresher to remind ourselves of meditation. Sometimes we just want to be curious about we're curious about the theme. 
um, uh, or you'd heard about Spirit Rock and wanted to check it out, um, or there was nothing on your calendar today, so you thought, what the hell, might as well do something, you know, it's the Bay Area after all. Um, so what brings you? Anybody like to say in, in a few words um, what motivated you to be here today? And uh, no, I'll just have them shout out. Thanks. Anybody? Yeah. I've been practicing for about a year, year and a half, and I am committed to growing um, in mindfulness. Uh huh. Great. And so that's my intention. Uh huh. And I need help. <laughs> <laughs> so her desire is to grow in mindfulness, and she needs help. Yes, we all need help in that department. <laughs> And so these days are, p- are part of that. They're, they're, they're ways to support and deepen and nourish our understanding and our practice. It's why we do them, why we have them, and it's also why we come together, um, because it's helpful to do this together. Yeah. Other folks? Yeah. Uh, great. So welcome back. Yeah. Yeah. Other reasons? Yes. Um, we live in Southern California, mm-hmm. and uh, so we came up and we combined today with yesterday's um, retreat, and so it was a wonderful combination and some different approaches. Mm-hmm. Yes. Great. Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nice. Great. So l- using this day to support mindful parenting, well, that's definitely probably the most challenging place to practice mindfulness. So good for you for skill, building your skill set. Yeah, that's great. And great for your two-year-old, too. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I'm here because I mixed up my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> I pay for another day long and a different day. I showed up today. Uh-huh. And, uh, I can't wait to see what cosmic reason. <laughs> We'll find out. <laughs> well, talking of mixing up days, so I um, I got to the airport yesterday. This is always one of those dreaded airport moments. I got up to the, the ticket booth as I'm checking in to my flight to San Francisco from in London. And they said, oh, you're not on this flight. I said, that's, that's not possible. That's not <laughs> Embroke. I have my ticket. <laughs> I have my reservation. He said, no, I don't see your name. And so he kind of looked around. He said, oh, yeah, your flight left uh, the same time yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, mindfulness in action. <laughs> Mr. Mindfulness strikes again, as I say. <laughs> so, um, sometimes we, we don't know why we show up to certain days, and it's a surprise. So... But whatever it is, we get to practice with it. So I got to practice with <laughs> feeling a little silly. <laughs> 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 and 
and relieved that he let me on the flight. Uh, not without charging me, of course, you know, it's United Airlines, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so um, I saw this cartoon recently and I thought it, it, um, it, it was a good summary of human life. So there's, there's three uh, cartoon captions and the first ca- uh, caption, it says, the history of man. And the second caption, there's a man stroking his chin going, what the hell is happening? And the third caption is, the end. (laughs) So if this feels like you, what the hell is happening? And then it ends, that's that's why we practice. (laughs) Try to make sense of this human life. You know, it's a a mystery, right? I'm reading this wonderful book about the brain and how the brain learns and evolves and assimilates and processes information. And it's, it's mysterious, you know, that this this human life we have these bodies and these sense and this brain that thinks and natters all the time and uh you know we just we move through life with and it's just full of mystery and and puzzlement and and uh you know and, and things seem to work like the brain the blood keeps pumping and the breath keeps flowing and we don't seem to do much about it and um it's a mystery and uh, this practice of mindfulness helps, hopefully, illuminate, helps wake us up to the mystery and to what it is to be human and what it means to be uh, conscious, what it means to be uh, practicing on the path, what it means to be awake. So um, I am here because I've been doing this work for a long time. I've been studying mindfulness for the last 25 plus years, um, teaching the last 10 or 15. And um, I can't imagine my life without it, frankly. Um, How I, I was pretty young when I started, but I feel uh, tremendous appreciation and benefit for having learned these practices and learn how to live with some quality of presence and awareness in my day, in my body, in my life. Um, and it's always a practice. You know, there's, uh, there's no um, final stopping place where you reach enlightened mit- retirement and then you just chill out and cruise or mindfulness retirement. You know, it's, it's an ongoing practice, just like showing up at the airport with the wrong day. It's like, okay, this, this, this too, this next. How do you practice with that? Or oh, the kid who's screaming behind you and hitting your <laughs> sink. <laughs> they've, they've, they've made flying a little more torturous by putting a screen on each seat, which requires, you know, the pushing a button so your head's always going to be rocking with somebody because they can't get the screen to work behind you. <laughs> Life is always presenting places to challenge, right? I mean, who goes by with a day without being challenged in some way in relationship, with uh, you know, work situation, with with just getting out of bed sometimes, you know. <coughs> and I really enjoy teaching this practice because I've seen as I work with people over the years how transformative it is. I mean, it really does turn people's lives around and in, in very mysterious ways. 
So the practices that we'll be doing today are very simple. Most, most, most meditation practices are somewhat simple in their structure and design. They, you know, so we'll be doing mindfulness of breathing, where you pay attention to your breath. It's not rocket science. A six-year-old can understand the instructions and, and apply it. But we'll see that it's not so easy. <coughs> but over time, as if we develop these as a practice, as a training, as a discipline, we find that this, qu- this quality of awareness, of, of, of presence, of mindfulness grows. It starts to filter out into every aspect of your life. And that's really the point, is to wake up every aspect of our lives, to bring the unconscious to the conscious. I had a, um, there was a student in one of the classes that I teach, I do this course called Essential Dharma, and um, she came as a last, pe- often people come here as a last ditch resort, they've tried everything, whatever it is they tried, you know, and, and she came here because she was about to get fired from work because she'd gotten really bad uh, um, reviews, uh, work reviews, performance reviews, particularly around her way of relating. And she thought, well, nothing to lose. I'll come here and learn some meditation. Maybe that'll help. And um, lo and behold, after this is a three, ten-week semester course. So after the first ten weeks, people were saying to her, what, what, what happened? You've really changed. You're really, sh- you know, what's, you're like a different person. And she's like, well, I don't know, just, you know, who knows? I've been doing this meditation thing. But And over the year, um, her whole work life and her life transformed because of implementing and applying the qualities of mindfulness and presence into her life. And she found that it really did ripple out into her communication, into her relationships, the way she treated her body, the way she uh, lived more with balance. So it's, it's a very mysterious thing once you start cultivating awareness. There's no going back. And it opens up many possibilities for all of us. So the origin of these teachings, as you probably know, go back to uh, Shakyamuni, the Buddha, who lived a few thousand years ago, and uh, lived in a, in, a, in a very fertile spiritual milieu, kind of like Marin County and you know, now. A lot of spiritual seekers, a lot of teachers coming through, saying this way and that way, enlightenment here and there. And, um, and he, was, he lived a very affluent life. And... Um, you know, saw through the the the, uh, the unsatisfying nature of that, and so left home and uh, started seeking, practicing medita- various kinds of meditation. Um, did various uh, concentration practices and ascetic practices, and eventually he came upon this practice of mindfulness, which is simply um, the practice of um, being aware, being attentive, being awake, being present in the present moment to one's experience, to one's mind, body, uh, and to the laws that govern our mind and body and our experience. A very simple application of awareness. But if we apply that to our experience with, with investigation, with inquiry, with curiosity, with diligence, we can discover many, many things about ourselves and about reality. So, we, you know, we have this quality innately within us. I'd like to start there. 
um, that you all have some uh, access to mindfulness, to awareness. Otherwise, you would have walked into the door, you know, peed on the floor and crashed your car. You know, put your cereal in your ear. You know, we we, we have a modicum degree of presence as we go about our day. And as you know, we also have a lot of times when we're just not that present, as our children might remind us, or our partners might remind, hello, anybody home? Where are you? Um, That's not to anybody out there, I'm just... (laughs) 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 Although it could be. (laughs) Um, And, you know, you may have driven here today from who knows where, San Francisco or Berkeley, and if I asked you which way did you come, you might not remember. Because the brain is very brilliant at mastering tasks and then mm, parallel processing. You know, we drive and we're working out our finances for this month, or what about my next career, or how about a relationship, or you know, what about them trimming the grass over there, and nice flowers, I should plant more daffodils in my garden, it's spring, come on. Right, so we're often just in, an, in another world, as a parallel universe, where we're not fully here. Yeah? And, we, you know, and that can be very problematic if we're doing things like driving and texting and whatever we do, multitasking. There was a study that, that Harvard, mm, uh, mm, Harvard Medical, what is it, Center, College, Harvard, what? Harvard? School, thank you. <laughs> Harvard Medical School. Um, uh, they did a research on, on how much we daydream, how much we space out in the day, which uh, and they, they did. It was a big study, 20,000 people, I think. And uh, they assessed after their findings that we uh, space out, or, or in daydreaming, 46.9% of the day. That's like half the day. <laughs> you know, if you lift to 80, that's, f- you know, between sleep and spacing out, that's <laughs> like, you know, 50 years. That's kind of scary. <laughs> Life gets very short. <laughs> so, um, but what was equally interesting about the, that research was that they discovered that people were less happy after daydreaming. You think they'd be more happy because you know here they are stuck in the cubicles and then well I'll, let's think about Hawaii you know. And, but what ha- what happens when we do that is when we stop daydreaming, come back to the cubicle, it's like oh mm, this is really <laughs> God <laughs> bad. <laughs> so it actually not only takes us away from the moment, which could be a beautiful spring day, which I, I don't know if you noticed on Sir Francis Drake driving past um, uh, just past. Sir Francis Drake School on the left, this stunning magnolia tree, just absolutely glorious. I, I just you know, spring sort of came before you know after I left. So to see the trees and the blossoms and they're just so magnificent. I mean, to be present, as the saying goes in Vegas, you have to be present to win, right? So you have to be in this life. You have to be you know to experience joy and happiness and and appreciation and awe and wonder and gratitude and all those beautiful qualities. We have to be present. Yeah? You're present to this beautiful planet that we live on, this place that we live, not stuck in the tumble dryer of our thoughts. 
So mindfulness is a support for coming into the present. For I mean, it's also a particular quality of present. It's it's a it's a quality of bare attention, uh, which is uh, attentive without all the stories and labels and judgments and preferences and oh, I should plant that magnolia tree, or why don't I have a magnolia tree in my garden? It's really, that's the best one I ever saw. No, I think there was one better in Kew Gardens. And <laughs> okay, just look at the, just look at the tree. <laughs> that's bare attention, no, noticing, seeing. Yeah. And then the rest is, is extra, and we, 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 we live in the extra. Yeah, we, you know, we're sitting in the room, and rather than just noticing form and people and color and light, we have a lot of stories about. How many stories have you had about people here today? Oh, that looks like so-and-so, and oh, I bet this, I bet they do that kind of work, or they look really sad today, or, you know, and it's, it's, it's just a story. And when we live in this realm, you know, we can make wonderful, beautiful, imaginative, crazy stories, um, but they're stories, and mindfulness <coughs> is dropping below that level of mental activity and, and meeting experience just as it is, without any add-ons. Dogen, a great Zen teacher, said, um, what is the awakened mind? It is the mind that is intimate with all things. And I think of mindfulness as an intimacy in, in that it takes us closer to experience. It takes us closer to the moment, it takes us closer to what's happening in in the now. So mindfulness also um, this quality it is uh, it it's, it's a quality that's not interfering with our experience. It's not controlling or trying to change or fix or manipulate our experience. So again, we 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 have an experience like maybe you you notice an uncomfortable sensation in your body, sitting on the, these chairs or on the floor. And you barely, you know, it's barely even registered in, in, in the conscious mind before you've shifted and shifted again and again. And then you end up sort of wriggling all day in the meditation, you know, because there's a reaction to trying to control and change your experience. I'm not saying don't move if you're uncomfortable, but to bring awareness to it and to see how it's possible to uh, be ec- with experience without jumping in so reactively to fix and change it. Because there's, and part of the reason this is a training in that is that there are a lot of things in our lives that we can't control and change. Have you noticed? <laughs> like people, <laughs> there's an annoying thing called people, <laughs> or family, or partners, or dogs, or the weather, or the economy. So what do we do when we can't fix and control and change that? We have to be with it, we have to accept it, we have to meet it with awareness. It's also a non-judging form of attention. So many of us have very strong judging tendencies. Anybody judge here? Anybody know (laughs) self-critical, you know, self-critical? I didn't think it was a different crowd. That was last month's (laughs) workshop. Um, Again, we we, we notice something, particularly in ourselves, you know, we look in, you know, look in the mirror in the morning. How many, you know, how many of us have bare attention when we look in the mirror and we look at our face and our body without judgment, without some kind of critical, mm, not quite, you know, hair, you know, whatever it is that's going on. So mindfulness is 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 a quality of attention without that uh, evaluation. It can be discerning, but not judging in a, in a negative way. 
So it's simply the quality of knowing. So when I ring this bell, or when I hit this round thing with this hard thing, there's a moment of hearing, there's a moment of recognition, sound, maybe there's a labeled bell. Um, the, the quality of bare attention is, is actually prior to the, to the labeling of it, just a simple recognition of sound, hearing. And it's quality of knowing. We, in that moment, we know that, that we're listening to a sound. We don't have to make an effort. We don't have to think about it. It's just, oh, yeah, there's a sound. That's, that's the quality of mindfulness, quality of knowing. So the Buddha gave some really interesting similes for, for mindfulness. He, uh, my favorite one is um, he talks about it as um, uh, like being like a cow herder. So in India, there's a lot of um, uh, cows and sacred and farmers and cow herders who tend to the cows so they don't eat the crops. And you'll, you know, and they're tending the, the, the cows and the bullocks all day. And the cowherders usually, and the, 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 the analogy he gives is the cowherders leaning up against the tree, relaxed, but attentive to his herd. So it's a sense of relaxation, but present. It's not like, don't he eat the rice. It's not that, you know, like a cat over a mouse hole. No, it's relaxed. Right, but it's present. <coughs> so another analogy he gives is um, like being in a watchtower, where we have a, a global view, radial view of of our experience. So sometimes we can have that mindfulness awareness is like has many lenses. We can be very microscopic, really hone down to some experience or sensation or feeling, and it can be very global. We can be looking up at the night sky and taking in millions of stars. Right, all the same quality of presence. Um, what other similes did he give? Uh, like, it, like, it, like, it, like a surgeon's probe. Again, very microscopic. Um, uh, oh, and uh, another one which I like uh, is uh, the gatekeeper, where um, this is actually a really important quality of mindfulness that's not so stressed uh, in the mainstream world of mindfulness, which is uh, the gatekeeper, so in a, in a traditional you know, fortified town, there'll be a gatekeeper who guards who enters the town, right? So the mindfulness is like the gatekeeper of the mind, and it guards us against unwholesome negative uh, states from taking over the mind, basically. So we're present to the quality of the, and, and the, the wholesome or unwholesome nature of, of our mind and our mind state and our intentions, and it helps guide us to a more skillful, healthy, happy state of being. So I think for many of us, the, the challenge and the practice and the support of mindfulness is it does bring us into the moment. And that's so useful because we spend so much of our time not in the moment. We spend so much of our time in the past or in the imagined past the past doesn't really exist. It's just a bunch of 
neurons firing in the brain, they're called memory, right? And this, and or we spend a lot of time in the future, which also doesn't exist. Just another bunch of neurons firing about an imagined story about the future. And then there's the present moment, which is very uh, fleeting, momentary. I just understood that we we actually live. I think it's a quarter or a half second. I think it's a quarter second behind the present moment. The brain. It takes that long for the brain to assimilate our experience and digest it into, an, into a cohesive form to be able to meet it. Oh, yes. Mark talking spirit rock. So we actually live a quarter of a second behind the present moment. But it's sort of the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> we're always behind, so it's sort of, we're all living in a quarter second behind. So, anyhow, that's irrelevant. <laughs> but interesting. Um, so you'll get to see today, uh, how, you know, notice the tendencies of, of, of when you drift in and out of the present moment. So like during this talk, notice how many times you've already spaced out listening to the talk. <laughs> thinking about work and what you're going to have for lunch and, you know, what movie you're going to see tonight. And yeah, I was really annoyed with that conversation I had at breakfast and yeah, and then you come back, and then you tr- the mind drifts, and then you come back, and then you're like so that's the practice. Where practice is really a training in returning to the present and starting again, starting over, uh, which we have to do very kindly and very patiently and very lovingly, because we do we can do a lot, and there's no point in judging ourselves. It's already happened, so get over it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's just no point in being critical. Oh, God, I can't believe I spaced out for five minutes. So then you spend the next half a minute judging yourself <laughs> about spacing out, and then the next half a minute judging yourself for judging, and, oh, <laughs> and you're already back, so no problem. Great, you're back. Celebrate. Oh, I'm back. Great, Spirit Rock. Ah, oh, nice. I'm so glad I came. <laughs> now let's be here for a moment. Ah, yeah, it's very nice. I wonder when they're going to build that new building. They said I heard that the... <laughs> I can't wait for this big roof, this low ceiling. I don't, you know, I need to live in houses that are much higher ceiling than this. I don't know why they didn't, you know. <laughs> and then we go for a few minutes on the design. And then we come back. Oh, yeah, okay. Mark talking about something about being in the present moment. Very interesting. <laughs> so the the... Initial part of mindfulness training practice, meditation practice in general, is uh, it's a training in gathering and centering and unifying what is a very scattered state of mind. Most of us live pretty busy, complex lives with a lot of stimulation, a lot of multitasking, and that fragments the mind. Anybody noticed? You know, spending, you know, looking at a screen all day with multiple things on your screen and you're supposed to be also, you know, reachable by phone and maybe the kids are in the background somewhere or, you know, staff dynamics in the office and you're worrying about getting home in time because of the trap. You know, there's there's a lot going on. There's a lot. I mean, it's amazing we make sense of reality because there's so much stimulation. I heard some statistic that, I don't know if this is true, but I'm sure it's in the ballpark, 
that the brain receives something like two million pieces of data uh, every moment. I think a moment is a sixteenth of a second or something like that. That has to and has to distill that into cohesive reality. So and add onto that, you know, surfing on the web and all the other things, and it's a lot. So we we so we're simplifying, gathering, steadying, focusing the mind, in this case, will be mostly using the breath and the body as the, the anchor for being in the present moment because the body is always in the present moment. Have you noticed? So tap, tap, your, tap yourself, just tap somewhere. Right? It's, where's it happening? It's right here, right? You can't space out and feel this movement, right? So the, bo- the senses are in the present moment. Sounds are in the present moment. Sight is in the present moment. Taste, touch. Right? So we want to be in our bodies and we want to be in our senses because they are the doorway to the present. The mind is uh, often not in the present. It's often commenting about the present, but it's often not in the present. It's happening in the present, but it's taking us away to some other moment, other reality than what's here. So um, let's do an exercise. We'll just—it's a very short exercise. It's one of my favorite exercises. And the instruction is to not be aware. Okay. So for about the next minute, you are invited. I'm asking you to not pay attention to anything, to not notice anything, to not be mindful, to not be aware. Right? Just. I'll ring the bell to make it official. <laughs> and you can have your eyes open or eyes closed. It doesn't matter because you're not noticing anyway. So, don't try too hard. Anybody notice the bell? (laughs) (laughs) So, what did you notice in your practice of not noticing? Everything. Everything. (laughs) Voila. (laughs) Everything. Anything else? Apart from everything? (laughs) Comments? Yes. Impossible. Impossible. Yes, thank you. Impossible not to pay attention. Did anybody succeed in not paying attention? Ah, uh, you did. What happened? Not wonderful. I felt wonderful. <laughs> so you're noticing wonder. You were noticing something wonderful. Right? Even in the in the in the absence of something, there is something. 
There is always something. So this is the good news. The good news about mindfulness is it's innate. We have the capacity to be awake and aware, right? That is really good news. It's not like you have to learn about this thing called awareness and go, okay, aware of the table. No, so you just they see the table's there and you see it. It's like, no big deal. So that's really great news. I can't, I wanna, I, I wanna, can't underestimate that, that that is the nature of our mind is awareness. There are many profound teachings from the Buddhist tradition that are pointing to this truth that the nature of the mind is awareness, awakefulness. It's actually considered a, a very advanced teaching. It's also, the ma- it's also the most fundamental teaching that I think we need to learn at the beginning and also at the end of the path. That awareness is our nature. That is what we reside in. That is what we take refuge in. That is what reveals everything. That is, what t- that is, what, that is how we know our experience. That is how we awaken through this quality of awareness that is innate to our being. Right? This is great news. The practice is, in a way, training to reside in that awareness, to abide as that awareness, not in the content of the awareness. So we rest in what is knowing, not in the content of what is known. Usually, we're in our thoughts and our stories and our feelings, and we're wrapped up and we're caught, and we're, there's not much awareness, and there's a lot of reactivity, a lot of confusion, and, and not much clarity. Right? And so the, 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 the path of mindfulness is shifting more and more towards clarity and spaciousness and understanding, awareness. And we do that through the training of being in the present. And we, we keep stepping out of the, the myriad moments that we get lost and wander and check out and back at the laundrette and, you know, Survivor, whatever show was on last night. Does that make sense? It's a really important point. So when we so when we come to to, to meditate, we can there's this part of, there's part of us that can relax. So I don't have to try so hard because awareness is always happening. The, the important question is, what am I paying attention to? That's really the key point, right? Where, where, where do you mostly pay attention to? We are creatures of habit. So where we dwell, where we, where we hang out, is where we hang out. So if you like to, to live in the house of fear, right? guess where you'll hang out? F- what will happen in meditation? You'll, you'll notice fear. If you like to hang out in anxiety, guess what will happen in the meditation? You'll, you'll be working with anxiety. If you like to check out, guess what will happen in the meditation? You'll be checking out. Right? So we, we, you'll just see the tend the way you live, right? There's a great poem from uh, from the poet Hafez, who says, uh, "No, different poem. Anyhow, this is also good. Um, uh, it sort of it sort of relates. Um, but th- actually, the line is from Rumi, who says, um, uh, uh, "Fear is the cheapest room in the house." I'd like to see you living in better living conditions. Right? So, and this is, this is one about sadness. Uh, what do sad people have in common? It seems they have all built a shrine to it the past and often go there and like a strange and... Uh, glasses time. 
and do a strange wail and worship. What is the beginning of happiness? It's to stop being so religious like that. So we all go to the past, we the shrine of the past, and we go there to wail and worship. Right? So we're, we're unhooking these patterns of understanding where we, where we, what we're paying attention to, and whether that serves us. Yeah, a lot of the time, a lot of places that we habitually go to, you know, that we're evolutionally hardwired to to notice things that are threatening, that are fearful, um, etc. So that's where the mind goes. Well, I'm comfortable now, but what happens if the economy tanks again? I mean, it's not a, you know, it's not not an unuseful thought at times, but if that's our thought every morning we wake up, we're just running fear. So noticing where the mind goes. This is from the far side. Uh, Gary Larson, the great meditation guru. Uh, So there's a bunch of cows in the field, and they're all happily munching away, except one of them who's looking up, as well as startled. And he says, and and the cow's saying, Hey, wait a minute, this is grass. We've been eating grass. (laughs) that is waking up to our patterns to our stuff hey I've been lost in the past all my life oh my god how about the present oh I've been lost in planning my future well how about living here what a concept well, it's boring. Well, okay. Well, let's look at what boredom is. Let's discover what boredom is. That may happen. You may get bored today. Probably will, because the mind, we're used to a very stimulated culture, right? Yeah, Screens, music, work, you know, fast pace. Um, so we come to meditation where it's very quiet, still, it's very benign, there's not much going on, you can be following your breath. To the mind, that's like, you know, well, let's just go on CNN, shall we? <laughs> oh, I'll create one in my mind. <laughs> that's what we do. We don't like being bored because we have to be with ourselves. Ooh, that's a scary thing. I salute all of you coming today because you are going to be with yourselves. At least, at least some of the time. And we spend most of our time, for whatever bizarre reason, running from being with ourselves. It's a very mysterious human phenomena that most people that I know, you know, we're just not so comfortable being with ourselves. Just the basic fact of our existence. And one of my favorite quotes is from a French philosopher, Pasteur, who said, uh, most of humanity's problems would be solved if people could just learn to sit by themselves in a room doing nothing for a few hours. Right? And that's kind of like a scary thing. What do you mean I can't take my Blackberry? <laughs> my Crackberry, as my friend calls it. But that's what we do in meditation. We sit with ourselves. We find out what's going on. We find out who we are. You know, What's going on beneath the hubbub? beneath the busyness. So Thich Nhat Hanh, a wonderful Vietnamese Zen teacher, he says, um, his summary, one of his summaries of the path, he says, 
Buddhism is simply a way to live well. Happiness is available. Please help yourself. Happiness is available. Please help yourself. So these teachings are very pragmatic. They're very simple, matter-of-fact. They're not esoteric. This is what leads to happiness. This is what leads to suffering. Take your pick. Take a look. See which ones you're enacting. See which ones you could let go of. See which ones you could develop. That's the, that's the purpose of mindfulness, is to understand why we suffer and how we can free ourselves from suffering. How we can free our hearts to be more loving and kind. That, that's the, that's, the, that's the, the outflow of the practice. The practice is, is in support of insight and understanding about ourselves, about our lives, about how to free ourselves from fear and envy and greed, and how to live with more kindness and awareness and compassion. That's the point of all this stuff. Again, as the, as the poet, or the teacher, really, he's a Sufi teacher, Hafez, he says, um, many of you have heard this poem before, um, you have all the ingredients to turn your life into a nightmare. Do not mix them. Do not mix them. You have all the ingredients to turn your life into a nightmare. Do not mix them. And of course, we mix them. A little bit of fear, a little bit of future planning, a little bit of scarcity consciousness. God, I'm going to be destitute if I lose. You know, just the stories we, we build. He says, you know, you have all the ingredients to turn your life into a joy. Mix them and mix them. So we're learning to mix those qualities here. Presence, kindness, patience, compassion, awareness. So I could go on uh, for the next three hours, but I won't. Because <laughs> um, I, w- I really want us to, to, this day to be experiential. But I'm, I'm, laying, I'm laying out the, the context, of the, you know, to some degree, of, of the practice. And one of the last things I want to say is... Um, that uh, uh, to stress the importance of kindness and the qualities of the heart. So, so mindfulness is 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 um, uh, can have a can have a kind of a cooler quality to it. Awareness, knowing, uh, and and what gets revealed in that can often not be so easy to be with, right? Whether it's our, our pain or. Our anxiety or our foibles or our crazy mind. And so as we meet ourselves and our condition, it's really, really uh, vital, necessary that we meet that with kindness, with a a kind attention. So we infuse the practice with warmth, with, with forgiveness, with acceptance. Because we get to see a lot of things that we may not be so comfortable with or so happy about that we'd be easy to judge ourselves and that's so unsupportive for our unfolding so just to remember oh how do I you know I, I think of mindfulness if it, one way of understanding mindfulness is it's how we meet this moment how we meet our bodies whether it's tired or hurting or awake how we meet the breath, how we meet another person, how we meet 
the world around us, yeah? How do you show up? How are you present in this moment for it? Curious, bored, reactive, resistant, afraid, loving, hating, like all these different... So I'll be pointing to two things today with a few more other things, but what's happening and how you're relating to it. What's happening and how you're relating to it. What's happening right now? As you're sitting right now, what's happening? What's your experience right now? You don't have to tell me, but just, just notice. What's, so I often tell, when I do these, I do a lot of trainings in companies now, and I give people a three-point check-in, because people you know, in the corporate world don't have any time, so it's <laughs> three-moment meditation, three-point check-in, and you, you come up with a word for your body, for your heart or the emotional life, and your mind. Yeah? So... So you just, you just scan, okay, one word for my body, so I'll just do it for myself. Energized, heart, open, mind, bright. You know, and then the 10 minutes later it'll be different. Maybe I'll be tired or anxious or you know, who knows. Um, so just do that for a second, just, you know, how's the body? How's the heart? How's the mind? So this is the what's happening. Right? Just meeting our experience as it is, not judging it, fixing it, controlling it, changing it. And then how are we relating to that? Right? What, what, what's our response to that? Oh, I wish I was more awake. wish my mind would shut up. Oh, I'm so sad. I'm always sad. <coughs> oh, God, I want to be happy. You know, just, just notice, how are, you, how are you holding that? You know, just like if you know, a friend walked into your house it's like, how, do you, how are you relating to them? What's, what's, wh- how would they feel about the way that you are with them? That's, that's what we're looking to. Like, how, how are you holding this experience? And then you notice where you go, and then you come back. So I have this wonderful meditation ex- instructions, a four-point meditation instruction for, for mindfulness. Pay attention. Notice when you space out. Come back to the present. So, so step one, be present. Step two, notice when you've spaced out. Step three, bring the attention back to the present. Step four, repeat steps two and three a few billion times. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because that's what it is. It'll just be, it's like a puppy on a leash. That's the analogy. Come back, sit, you know two-week-old puppy, how long is it going to sit for? Two seconds, comes back. You know, over time, it trains, right? In a couple of years' time, that lab is, you know, workable. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) So, like that. So, um, any um, burning questions about anything I've said? Because we're going to shift to doing, we're going to take a little break and then do practice. But anything that's come from that? Anything that wasn't clear? Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. So the question being about um, it's really about how do we how do we hold you know how, how do we multitask in a way? How do we hold the fact that our experience is always multi-layered, multi-dimensional, and um, I happen to be stopped at a traffic light. That was a bonus. <laughs> um, so I got to really hang out with it. But I would have noticed it anyway. You know, I mean, you know, that's, as I was saying, you know, the brain is, is very malleable at being able to do that. Um, even though there's a loss, there's a loss of quality to both things. Um, you know, ideally the orientation is towards doing one thing at a time as much as possible. And we also have the capacity to take in <coughs> many things seemingly at once. We don't actually ultimately do them at once. We, we flick it back and forwards. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's all a, um, uh, how do I say, um, it's pragmatic in that you, mm, you, you look, you listen, you learn. So for instance, um, perhaps a, that could be a good analogy, but a better analogy might be, uh, listening to the radio while you drive or talking on the phone when you drive. And seeing what how experience gets compromised by doing those things. Um, I'm not sure if I'm quite getting to your question. Am I? Maybe ask me later once. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We're, we're we're always selecting, and that's okay. That's what we do is to, to, to function, and we just do it. Hopefully, you know, we 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 do it wisely. So there's a another part of mindfulness which I may or may not go into today. The translation of mindfulness is from a word called sati, which means to remember, which apparently I need some of. Um, and the, the but it's in the context of a word called sampajanya, which means uh, basically means uh, awareness of context. So awareness of you know. So you're driving, then you want to be mostly driving and not looking around at the nature. You know, there's awareness of context. If you're stopping a traffic light, you can look around all you like. So it's it's it, it, there's an appropriateness to it in the moment <coughs> that we you know that we play with. You know. And we bring a mindfulness to that process of how appropriate we are with our attention or not, how spaced out, how scattered we, we are. Okay, so let's um, uh, get ready for meditation. So I know some of you will need a uh, bathroom break. So I'm going to suggest that while we're in session, which is the morning session, the afternoon session, that we stay in silence, which means no social talking. I mean, if you've got practical things to say to me or to... Um, the volunteers or the or, or Katie, um, you can, but mostly stay. Just stay quiet. So you, you, we're really staying mindful of our inner experience and not not lost in chatter. Um, so we'll take a let's take a just a few minute break for those who need to use the bathroom. And then if you want to uh, be sit, sitting on cushions, there's cushions in the corner there. And um, if you don't need the bathroom, I would just stay in here and stretch a little. Uh, and then get yourself ready for a meditation. I'll talk a little about posture.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.